It's Friday, January 7th. You're listening to the Tech Breakfast Podcast, the show that brings you delicious tech news and all the hot takes you can handle with Tyler Gates, Russ Kentwell, and Aaron Bewley. It's episode 229, and we have, guess what, the world's foremost expert in electric vehicle news on the show today. What'd you think about that? How y'all doing? <laughs> wow. Uh, <laughs> there's only one way to go from you. there. Yeah, I'm talking about you, Paul. Oh, uh, thank you. Mr. Uh, I'll try. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> I, I'm doing well. I got I got the sneezes this morning though, man. I'm I'm congested for I guess just fun. I don't know. I'm feeling <laughs> that. Yeah, you and my wife both, I guess. I woke up to her sneezing like 87 times. I just eventually had to stop saying uh I'm tight. Bless you. <laughs> well, here in Connecticut, we woke up to six inches of very sticky snow with no wind. Whoa. And uh I got some plowing to do today. It's just start, it's not over yet, but this isn't that deep, but just it's beautiful. Do you do it with a blade on the front of your car, or are you just talking about like driveway, <laughs> yeah. stuff? That would be one way to do electric snow blowing. Uh, there but you no. go. Right Aww. on the front of the Tesla? <laughs> on a Model 3, yeah. The, yeah. the underbody clearance would not be ideal for that, would it, now? I'm um, hopeful that in like the next you know, five to ten years, we'll have portable fusion generators and uh, and we can we can just you know melt the snow with a tiny sun. Oh, uh, people pe- people do heated driveways, but um, California passed a law to change all small equipment, all uh, you, all yard and lawn care equipment, including snowblowers, everything going electric. Pretty cool. I, really? I saw that. California uh, yeah, that was really yeah. interesting. I wow, actually, by when? Almost a year ago, uh, I ran into a guy that was already mad about that and had moved to Texas, and that was one of the reasons he claimed he moved oh. to Texas. I, I'm not even kidding. I was like, wait, what? you moved because they wouldn't let you use like a lawnmower and a, and a uh, I guess they cut off um, like backpack, gas-powered um, by 2024. Uh, leaf yep. blowers and stuff like that. Well, wow. it, in the municipality he was in, they cut it off already. He got a ticket for mowing his yard with a gas mower um, in wherever what? he was. Yeah, and, and, and of course it was like 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 he was mowing his front yard, and and they gave him a ticket, and and of course he said I had no idea, and you know, uh, ignorance isn't doesn't usually get you out of a ticket, yeah. um, and he was mad, so he claimed that's how he moved to Texas. I was like, wow, that's a that's yeah. a pretty interesting reason to move to a different state or at all, really. But I guess sticking to hey, his guns, it's interesting. The lawn care professionals were all up in arms, and then they realized, well, there's actually equipment where your total cost of ownership is considerably lower. But (laughs) no, no, really. I mean, the the upfront cost of the mower and all that might be a bit more, but there are products available. There's some really good videos that go over. Well, actually, you'll probably be pretty happy with this. So imagine how it'll feel in 2025 when people have actually pulled it off. Now it's a little tougher on the homeowner, but there's some subsidies for business owners for lawn care equipment, right, to make this transition. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm actually. the timing was terrible uh, for some of that oh, stuff, yeah. in my opinion, yeah. because I, I like I moved into this house just over a year ago, right? And I, I had like a postage stamp lot in my previous residence, and now I have uh, like an acre and a half or two that I have to mow. So I got a riding mower, mm. and uh, I looked, I looked very hard to see if there were good electric options because i'm all for if no other reason they're quiet and what a like mowing your yard for an hour and a half or two hours and it being quiet is actually pretty cool and Uh, um and the options really weren't there yet and then fast forward like six months after i brought bought this zero turn and and all of a sudden like every major manufacturer whether it's cub cadet or you know like kubota or or uh, you know any of the other big big brands they all have these uh electric zero turns that are starting to get good reviews and stuff like that and i'm like Arg! <laughs> exactly yeah it's, uh, not all, it's not all bleak i'm trying to pull it up here it looked like elon had announced a leaf blower uh, obviously electric battery powered uh, back in April of 2019. Have we seen anything on that since? Uh, I mean, I know he's a little bit busy with other things, you know, like Starlink <laughs> and Starship and Tesla. No. <laughs> I mean, living in New England, I, I won't miss the noise of leaf lowers in the fall. I'll just say, I mean, no. you could be on a Zoom conference call for two hours and it's going in the background. Drawing yeah, right we, going there, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> they're so loud. And, and the uh, leaf lowers quiet, in particular... Yeah. 
leaf blowers in particular get a lot of hate because even if they're quiet, they're they're kicking a bunch of stuff up. They're just generally bad for the local environment, whether it's you sure. breathing or or yeah, whatever else you're picking up off the ground. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Hey, I'll dig it up. There's a really cool article that goes through, you know, the cost and the efficiency and how much better these things are. And the, the, the market oh, that's is cool. the market is ready, barely, like you said, Tyler. The the California yeah. thing was pretty bold. Um, but yeah. Yeah. But, that's cool. but if, yeah. If you think about people like your previous lot though, Tyler, the postage stamp type lot, dude, yeah. If your yeah. lawnmower just stays plugged in, in your garage and you just mm. pull it out and you know, now you're done. Plug it back in. Yeah. Perfect, man. You don't have to deal with gas or oil or uh, exhaust or anything like that. No, I love, in fact, I'm I'm already having a problem with my my zero turn because I had you know what four or five gas tanks that just over time I had collected for different reasons, and one of them was you know your classic two stroke mixed with oil, and mm-hmm. and my wife actually grabbed it and poured that into the zero turn. It won't Ooh. kill it, but but it yeah. does not like burning that gas. So right. I have been yeah. slowly trying to dilute that out and keep it going. And of course, it sputters and it'll stop and you got to restart it. It's just super annoying. And yeah. it like just little things like that are are just a frustration that would be grand to not have. And batteries are definitely there now to be able to go through a couple hours of serious like I'm going to plow through a pile of grass kind of mowing. Um it, I guess to be seen if the battery packs for that kind of application, because you you know you don't mow every day, um, if they're going to last long enough to really you know meet what they say they will. Like from a manufacturer's perspective, it says it's going to last this many you know recharge cycles. Is it actually going to last me twenty years, or mm-hmm. am I going to have to replace a you know fifty percent of the cost of the vehicle battery pack at year like three? Yeah. Look- Couple of comments. One, if it lasts ten years, that'd probably be good. Two, if my snowblower could share it with my mower, that'd be awesome. And yeah, three, if their batteries are swappable for sure. Yeah, correct. And three would be a day like today where I want that peace of mind that the thing is going to start. I have no idea yeah, how snowblower is going to start today, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, <laughs> and it used to be, you know, sometimes my wife would have to get out to work and be four a.m. And if it didn't start, then I'm doing it by hand, right? So these are meaningful things where it wouldn't be great to not have to worry about a spark plug or any of that stuff in a two-stroke or four-stroke motor. I just, I really look forward to that personally. Um, yeah, peace of mind. And right. overall customer ownership too. Yep. Let's get into the electric vehicle side of all this because I'm curious about a ton of stuff. And I don't know where you want to start yeah. if you want to if, if you want to start. Like we totally even skipped over the Chevy stuff. Like I just threw junk at it or if you want to respond to the, the lightning <laughs> things we talked about or uh, even Borco put in the chat today that Sony is looking at doing uh, <laughs> a, a an SUV um bmw is announcing a bunch of stuff audi is coming out with a bunch of uh electric vehicles there's all these other new brands that are coming out of nowhere um the bollinger uh is one of them cadillac is dropping a bunch there's canoe i mean it's all over the place where like when you jump in faraday is another one um fisker is coming out with them it's it's crazy so uh, when you sit down and you look at the the uh, the news and the market and everything that's coming out, what like what do you generally focus on? Uh, sure. Um, I got to go to CES way back in 2011 once, and I hear lots of good things about you know very few people at CES this year for obvious reasons. But the cars, <laughs> there was way more cars than any other like Los Angeles car show in the fall and all. So I thought that was interesting that a consumer yeah. focused show like that had a ton of electric cars. Woo! Yeah. Right, because um, they're the most interesting thing you buy besides of, your house. So yeah, yeah, that's a good. I mean, that's obviously a good point. It's also an interesting merge of uh, it, the overlap is really curious, right? Like consumer tech and now vehicles are part of that because we've always had big car shows, and usually those were for car enthusiasts, as you'd expect. But um, the, I mean, CES is not historically a Venn diagram that's a hundred percent car enthusiasts. So it's kind of crazy that there were so yeah. many at it this year. Yeah, correct. And, and Aaron, you just threw a really happy article, car and driver putting together a list of, you know, cars and trucks and, uh, good things coming in the next five years. That one goes this article. Uh, let's see. Yeah. That article has a lot of, a lot of vehicles. There's another one I'll focus and I'll throw it in the show notes for just 2022. Uh, there's many there as well. Um, and that's the good news. There's some good news and, you know, not so good news, but the good news would be drumming up excitement with something like a BMW that color shifts, <laughs> changes colors right before your right. eyes, color paint technology. That video is pretty cool, right? If you're reading The Verge, 
that kind of caught your attention with CES this week. That was a January 5th article. BMW debuts its new color-changing paint technology at CES, e-ink. It's black, it's white. So no, this is not saying every color in the rainbow, but still watching that car change colors as they're walking around and doing interviews around it. Pretty cool. Yeah. Um, then in if the backseat of the Bitcoin thing, community, we'd say, why? If you can't do the whole rainbow, then just burn it to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, nice. Exact, exactly spot on. Why are you making uh, this? It's not perfect. Oh, my gosh. It doesn't have well, every after, feature. Sorry. Sorry. He triggered no, no. me. He triggered me. No, Go ahead. That was great. Um, the point is to catch your eye and get you over there. And now they got people going in the backseat for a theater screen. So a 31-inch TV in the backseat that swings down Wait, from what? the ceiling. On that BMW? Uh, well, BMW was also showing off the theater screen and a mock-up of some future car, which is probably their new 7 Series. Okay. So having a 31-inch TV across the back could be interesting. I would. You think it's the demo- just a Samsung freestyle, like yeah, in a kid's pocket in the back of a BMW? I don't know. But the, the, the demos, of <laughs> course, show, I don't know, Apple or Disney Plus or something all the way across with like, oh. you know, Incredibles, but actually more practically, maybe you have three people in the back seat and you have three different channels show. I don't know. But the sound is one sound system. It's subwoofer, all that. So, yeah, their point is, yeah, with some sort of dimming on the uh, windows. So imagine, um, I guess, Asia, oh, in like Asia. A- Exactly. Like a, like a 787 where you just press a button and the in the little substrate in between layers of glass goes dark in the coolest way ever. Say yes. Say yes. Say yes. Uh, they didn't feature <laughs> that, but I love that your imagination's going there. Yeah, no, th- that'd be cool on a car. I don't know. Um, so yeah, that's cool. <laughs> I'm immediately thinking, Tyler, the engineering thing, how you'd have to have the window hooked up to electronics as the window goes up and yeah. down so you can push yes. that button to, to the frost the window yeah yeah there's plenty of stuff holding on to that window already it would be yeah. all right you just put a little ribbon cable in there and it's no part problem. of your every five thousand mile maintenance to get it re-attached. and then test it with a million cycles and it comes to market for you because it is auto after all right and it has to handle oh. very wide temperature swings and all that that's the reality but anyhow the exciting stuff yeah that's just one brand you mentioned a whole bunch of other ones uh bigger ones were um well, Stellantis there, um, Ram, ProMaster electric delivery van deal with Amazon. So it's not just Rivian doing a deal with Amazon. Amazon is coin or phrasing it as uh, we need as many electric vehicles we get. No one company can do it. So we're also partnering with Stellantis. That's, that's, that's fine. So now you got the Amazon logo on two different EV delivery vans coming up. So that's cool. Yeah. What was the other one? Uh, where is it? Bright Drop? That's oh, the one that GMs Walmart was partnering with. Right? That's GMs. Yeah. Correct. So crazy. Bright Drop. Bright, yeah. One, one word with a capital D in the middle. Get used to that name. Um, yeah, you mentioned that in the previous podcast that not so much heard of, but Bright Drop yeah. is another another announcement. Um, not so much CVS, CES, just in general. Bright Drop's been in the press a little a bit about that. Um, they call it last mile solutions or supporting your business. This is fleet vehicle stuff we're talking about. Yeah, I think FedEx and, is ordering ordering a bunch of them. Walmart's ordering a bunch of them. Um, that one that one surprised me. That one came up in the Walmart news uh, from Wednesday. Yep, and um, the whole fleet vehicle inter- uh, uh, industry is interesting. With you know, Hertz had huge announcements, obviously, with uh, Tesla, and um, the EV Club of Connecticut. We recently had a guest on named Chris Brown, someone I grew up with since uh, I've known since age five, and uh, he does auto fleet forward uh, fleetforward.com and um, articles in the fleet industry where. You're trying to talk to giant companies that not just rental cars, but other businesses that run large numbers of vehicles like um, uh, Revel, uh, Mm -hmm. New York, um, PD just bought hundreds of both Mustang Mach-E's and Model 3's. So there's a lot of fleet stuff going on in the world. Sorry, I missed that. Yeah. NYPD. NYPD. Yep. Oh, yeah. Yeah. NYPD just bought a bunch. Yeah. Okay. Correct. And given Connecticut is kind of downwind of Metro New York. Not a bad thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Yes. Connecticut has its pollution problems for sure, especially the um, coast that's right near New York City there. So uh, New York City really trying to electrify. So th- there's so much exciting good news and some not so great news. I, I gave you a mix of both the last couple of days there, and it's fun going back and forth with you there. Um, well, so how much – Just so you, you're part of an EV club. Maybe there's conversations around this there. How much of people moving into the EV space and buying electric vehicles – is driven on, and I don't know if you have, like, if you've seen any polls on this or just conversationally, is driven on um, the desire to address exhaust problems versus the interest in uh, the power and torque 
that you can get, or maybe the convenience. And I say convenience because some people are more interested in being able to just plug their car in at home. On the other side of the convenience thing is like, well, it seems inconvenient for me to try to find a charger on the road. Why do you, and, and let me throw all that out. Why do you think people are buying them? And it's gotta be a split of a bunch of different things. And then at the same time, I'll say what it appeared. So there was a, I just, a super basic tweet the other day. What was it? Two days ago, Wednesday after our last show, I said, Tesla Model 3 is now the second most purchased new car in the UK. And it <laughs> blew up. A ton of people in the UK were responding to it. A lot of commentary about you know smog and pollution and all that kind of stuff. People super excited about it. Uh, and then there was a lot of people excited just about the the interface and, and all that kind of fun stuff. Where do you, When you think about why people are getting into it, what are you thinking about? Or what are you seeing the most of? So or is it a mix? I mean, it's fine to be a mix. All the it checks a lot of boxes, you know. Yeah, let me start with the here and now. That UK article didn't surprise me. Uh, the answer would be yes for all the reasons. People are with the word of mouth uh, is just tremendous once people own one of these things. So let's say uh, somebody in the UK bought it just for um, you know kind of tree hugging thing, and then they realize, boy, it's mighty nice to have lower cost of ownership and not worry about oil changes and all that. Right? There, there's a multitude sure. of reasons once they have it. Here in Connecticut, the history is a little different. Um, uh, uh, we're a small state, but um, Gold Coast of Connecticut, down Westport, Fairfield, that county, that area, like David Letterman lives and stuff, right? Right near New York, they commute, they get on a train. Folks living there had the money for Model S's. They were brave and bold pioneers that could afford high-end cars that had a lot of risk. You had no idea how long the battery pack was going to last. You know, when you bought a car in 2012, 2013, from Tesla, you were really a, a bleeding edge, right? Early right. They blazed the trail for someone like me where I'm trying to replace a 14 and 13 year old Tesla, um, Honda Civics, 2005, 2006 for my wife and I. That project had to go well to replace both cars in our garage to be our only cars going EV. Completely different mindset. It was all about safety and cost of ownership. It had to be lower than our Honda Civics. Completely different mindset, right? But boy, am I thankful to the people that bought the high-end ones that kept the company going long enough to do the mass market, one that could truly change the world with almost a million vehicles shipped last year. That is tremendous, given how much Ford and Chrysler and everyone, or Stellantis, everyone else's sales are tanking last year. It's just remarkable what's going on. Mm -hmm. And that really does move the needle more than a, a few Hummers or 24 Bolt EVs shipped last year from GM, even though they're bragging they're the EV leader somehow. They're just delusional. <laughs> Wait, who is? <laughs> GM's Mary Barra bragging their leaders right there with uh, what? President Biden, um, and she's going along with that. It's because they have union vehicles, right? It's just so sad. Some of the yeah, yeah, yeah. political stuff that goes on. But anyhow, it, hey, Tesla doesn't need the help. If the other companies get some assistance, it keeps Detroit alive with a bit of a government um, and union pushing. <laughs> Well, it's good for Dude, it's, go it's really EVs against good for the money. industry at the end. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I'm, it's good for I'm EVs in general. That. Yeah, but go out on the street and ask anybody to name an elect an EV under the GM. <laughs> Just name one. Well, there's a recalled one that they can't ship for many months. That's the point. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but okay. but again, we laugh, but it's a pain laugh. It's not good that some batteries sure. from no. LG LG yeah, yeah. can't. It's LG's no, fault, and they're actually sucking up the bill on that GM, which is interesting. The battery manufacturer sucking up that huge multi-billion-dollar bill. Yeah. Anyhow, I got to. So yeah, I got to be surprised. I was, I was, I was kind of shocked by that news that that Tesla was number two um, overseas in the UK. I didn't realize they had that much of uh, uh, inroads there. Cars, right? The, Not just EVs. Mm -hmm. You said cars. Everyone just needs to catch yes. what Aaron said there. It's a big deal. Yeah. Yeah, that's actually a really strong point. So this wasn't car, or this wasn't just EVs. This was the car, like the new car market for the United Kingdom. Uh, Tesla Model Three is the number two, right? Yeah, uh, and the huge. I think the Corsa, the the Voxel Corsa, is number one, just by a, a slight margin. So when you look at the uh, law of diffusion of innovation, right? You got the bell curve, where you, on the left you've got the innovators, on the right you've got the laggards, and then if you move in, you've got the early adopters and the late majority, and then the early majority as the market share, you know, kind of S curves up. Where do you say we're at in EV adoption right now? Mm. Um, it's so early with Maki -E and VW ID4, it's basically just Tesla. So if you had the curve for Tesla, yeah, we're on the sharp part going up because they made so many more cars each year over year. All the others, though, they're not even close. They're just barely getting started. All you have is yeah. companies like Toyota just announcing what they will be doing by 2030, maybe. 
But that's not the same as actually shipping hundreds of thousands of cars. What we need is millions of cars, right? It's in not. the crypto industry, all you need is a white paper. You don't even have to have content in it, and you can sell and go to the moon. I feel like it's it the same for EVs. You don't even have what to have a white paper. What do you want to do in the make... EV marketplace? Lots of cool things. Cool. Bye, 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 bye. Bro, you yeah. can make a, you can make a joke EV. You can make something that is not even real. Oh, and then sell a Doge it. Car. A Doge Let's car. Doge car. We could sell. We could sell the NFT of its first image, and then we could sell a, a tokenized just. A, oh man! Uh, maybe uh, someday, right. I'm done. Okay, <laughs> is Sony gonna is Sony going to have a big splash? Because this is expected in late 2022. So the Sony Vision S zero uh, two concept EV. It says from the same folks that brought you the Walkman music player and PlayStation gaming oh, console. Stop. The Sony Vision S02 concept is a look at the company's future Sony Mobility Inc. EV endeavor. There's too many words here. That uh, is a lot Friday of morning. words. <laughs> right? Uh, they claim the concept has 536 horsepower and dual motors, which I will say, it feels to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it feels to me like dual motors is becoming the base standard. Blase. Right? Um, Kind of. I mean, here in Kick, we had... Um, cheaper rebates and then federal tax refunds. So my wife, her Tesla Model 3 standard range plus is rear wheel mm -hmm. drive. Okay. It does a really good job with traction control, but if you're going up a hill, you know, my car with all-wheel drive, the Model 3 from 2018 will accelerate faster. That's just physics because all four wheels are putting down power, mm -hmm. not just two. But as far as, you know, we just drive my car in bad weather. That's all. <laughs> so we have two of them. It's yeah. fine. So we don't, cool. it's not a big deal it's for, for a two-family, you know, two-car household. But I will say that, yes, more and more of the market seems to be going toward oil drive. That's a good thing. Um, but in a lot of states where they really lowball the bottom, the, the price of what you can, when you get a rebate, it's like 40000 or 42000 now in Connecticut. Yeah. That's actually not good enough even for any car because the Model 3 has now crept up above that in price to you know, various That's market lame. reasons. So, yeah. So anyway, yeah. lots of states struggle with that, that they're pushing you into a two-wheel drive car in a state where you really need four-wheel drive, especially if you live in New Hampshire. Uh, yeah. I'm in yeah. central Connecticut. I'm two hours from Boston, New York. The weather is not that deep for snow. I don't have snow pack very yeah. I made this comment before. Like, it, I, it frustrates me that the regulation for you know helping EVs get off the ground, which open to debate whether or not that's necessary or appropriate, whatever. I, I mean, I think almost every major fundamental industry, especially in the United States, has seen plenty of subsidization over the years. The oil and gas is not alone in this. Uh, or, or batteries aren't alone in this. Oil and gas have seen plenty too. So it's definitely yep. not like, you know, rules for me, not for the kind of, it's, it, there are interesting arguments for and against whether or not there should be anything, but the the arbitrary and I'm going to say arbitrary. I'm sure they're not quite arbitrary. People probably spent a lot of time locked in a room trying to figure out where these breakpoints were. But setting the cost of a vehicle for where that rebate could go seems silly to me. Maximize maximum rebate. I understand because it scopes or bounds what what that tax relief looks like, and that's good for planning, budgeting, all that stuff. But just saying you don't get it if your car costs more than this, the only yeah, thing annoying. that that could possibly do is try to force manufacturers to fit their vehicles into a $40,000 or $42,000 bucket. That's okay, but it's worthless this year. Correct. So you're, you're, either, you're, either, you're helping a very, very, very small number of vehicles, which I don't think is generally good for the industry. It certainly isn't good for the individual. Or you're trying to impact something that happens in tax years that may not even be applicable anymore, which is just kind of silly too. So I, I get what they're trying to do. They don't just want to give big tax rebates to wealthy individuals that are going to go and buy a $120,000 electric vehicle because they can, and then they're going to get the maximum rebate every time they do it. But again, what's your point? What are, you, are what are you trying to do with this Why rebate? Not? Are you trying yeah. to incent people to go electric? Then Correct. I don't care if it's a toy Correct. or a replacement car or anything in between. Or if it's that's thirty thousand or one hundred and thirty thousand. Yes, that, I that's agree. my point. And you're going to end up with it, the other the ceiling situation. doesn't make sense to me. And I think you mentioned this um, uh, many shows back, Tyler. You'll you'll have an EV car where they will sell you the car to get just <laughs> under that. And yeah. you will only have access to like 30% of the battery pack. And then after, yeah. like the very minute <laughs> after the sale, you can pay them an extra $20,000 to unlock the other 80% of the battery pack and then pay them an extra $15,000 to unlock the uh, full self-driving. You know, it's 
It's and those be are the kinds of things weird... that manufacturers are going to find to fit their vehicles in the box, but it will have completely failed to do whatever it is they're trying to do Correct. because the only people that are going to buy those cars with the sticker price, recognizing that they can't turn their steering wheel without a $2,000 stipend that goes into the vehicle to unlock that feature, blinkers is extra, uh, are going to be the wealthy they were trying to prevent from buying these vehicles and taking those rebates in the first place. And it's like, just put a cap on how much you can get back and move on. Yeah. So I threw some stuff in the chat where this Connecticut uh, cheaper program, the rebate program, they have an open for public comment section. So EV Club of Connecticut, myself included, we show up to kind of give our little public testimony on our thoughts. And I pointed out the obvious that they're complaining that the program has less adoption last year and less Teslas. I'm like, well, yeah, because the prices of everything gone up. Um, right. The average American car has gone up to 46,000, I believe is the number. Yeah, right. but, but also by leaving out the number one, two, and number four leaders in the EV market, of course it was... Um, not going to go so well. So they even left out the Mach-E. So it, it just doesn't make any sense. Um, they, they picked a number. Uh, people buy SUVs these days and Model Ys and sometimes Model 3s. So 42,000 just doesn't cut it. Just doesn't, so, doesn't cut it. Also, I mean, look look at how the United States, I'm pretty sure the rest of the world works similar to this, but I know this is true in the United States and I know it's a little bit different elsewhere, but we, our our entire financial system is built on debt like consumer debt, right? And of course there's national debt as well and all of that, but consumer debt. I don't know. Is there we any have, national debt, Tyler? We have made it easier and easier. Yeah, right. <laughs> He's ignoring we have it. made it easier and easier and easier to get expensive toys or, or vehicles, whatever you want to call it, um, with very long, and especially now because rates are so low, very low interest rate loans. So people are buying more expensive vehicles than they might even be able to afford or should afford because there's seven year financing. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and so I think you're going to see more and more people I love. that aren't willing to buy the car that doesn't have unlocked steering because flexible financing terms too, which just means that the average cost that somebody's going to spend on a vehicle goes up, which again, that, that ceiling just feels arbitrary. It's like, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Buy are you trying to get as your only option? Are you trying to get cars that uh, use gas off the road for air quality reasons, or are you doing some kind of political game to leave certain vendors manufacturers uh, out? Of the out. Yeah, correct. It's uh, yeah. It, it's the Mario Kart of uh, U.S. economics, right? Like the the guy at the back is going to get rubber banded up to the front. Yeah, way to way to go, U.S. politics. You're so. <laughs> so, Aaron, um, maybe let, let's pull off the bandaid with some of the bad stuff that the stuff back and forth on Twitter, the unfortunate stuff okay. right, that sets the whole industry back. So okay. we, we kind of laughed painfully about EVs and some batteries that, uh, you know, did go into flames, which is bad. Uh, Tesla seems to have nailed that many years ago. The Model 3 and Model Y do not have such stories. It's exceedingly well and a way lower uh, bursting into flames rate. In the last year alone, I've driven by three cars totally in flames on the highway. This is not rare in the gas world, world right? But anyway. So any others that uh, that was not so good with the, the stopping production of it. It's a not a great look for GM that's trying to make claims of a huge EV plans, but their one model they were shipping they had to stop and recall every single battery for every bolt owner because you could no longer park it in public garages and all. So that's a that tarnishes the industry and unfortunately has people listening to this like oh, I'm going to wait another four or five years. Paul said that. No, <laughs> Tesla nailed it. I mean, they've done it years ago or others, Maki and others have not had problems. It, it, LG messed up on the battery they made for a bolt. Don't go jumping to conclusions about the whole industry on that. All right, just, no, you yeah, know, that's, that's it, it's so easy weird. to find something to cherry pick and well, then sit in your hands and not do anything for five more years, and, right? And I it's, actually it's have so a bet. Do that. I have a bet with Russ that that Ford, and sorry, Ford, this, this is totally unfair to that entire corporation really but that that they're going to have some massive issues and recalls oh, and and I'm, I'm saying that because they've had a history of these problems yeah with the lightning specifically um yeah. and and i i i closed that band to make it more fair to russ and i said i think i forget what the actual laundry list was but it was really related to the electric power chain um the battery and things that are distinctly like ev focused features right so it's not the banging olfson speakers in that car if that gets recalled that's not the same thing it's not the latch on the door like tesla just had for instance right um but see, trunk, what, yep. what, or, or, sorry what gets, hood, yeah, yeah it was the yeah the hood Frunk. um the yeah Frunk. um what 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 the lg problem highlights for me though is that a a company like gm 
has an extensive supplier management system, something they've been doing forever, right? I mean, they've got engineers dedicated to going into their suppliers and making sure that quality meets certain standards. It, it'd be the equivalent in our industry of like SLAs being met, right? Um, they're, they're usually extremely rigorous. Missing something like what happened in the battery pack is really, it, it exposes what GM's supplier quality system couldn't handle, which is yeah. either a, a lack of understanding of how to even validate the quality of something so complex and out of the norm, which is where I think traditional manufacturers are going to get into trouble. Um, but then also, uh, I mean, it, it, there are concerns that I have, like how did LG mess that up of, of all the companies? But when has LG, how long has LG been making that kind of battery pack? Is, I actually don't know the answer to that question, but that's the other thing is that they're going to they're gonna find corporate um, partnerships and they're going to try to break into an industry and the only, they can't just go to the person that you know is making Tesla batteries for various reasons, right? But was it a mistake to pick LG? I mean, LG makes a lot of electronics. So the answer to that is probably no. How did they miss something so catastrophic? That's a systematic problem. But like you said, Paul, it doesn't necessarily mean that the industry has a systematic problem. It means that individual players are going to have to be really careful about how they integrate this tech. Correct. Um, vertical integration back and forth about that. This sits in, uh, in Detroit, tend to be made piece of different suppliers, Bosch and others making the electronics, all these different companies. And that really shows under the hood when they pull a Ford Mach-E and you see like 30 pounds of water be uh, dozens of feet of tubing just to cool it with four different motors. Tesla has one motor, yeah. one little pump to move the water around to get the <laughs> battery pack. The, it, it's just that's evident and obvious. And that, Wait, that's all that again? when you that's so it has all that. Yeah, Mackie. So Lee Monroe pulls right part of the cars that came recently out in Boston. It's pretty cool. Love it. Um, an, out, an outdoor meetup, just talking, nerding out, talking to him. Anyhow, he he pulled apart all the heating and cooling system of a Mach-E versus a Model That's Y and awesome. Model 3. Is there a you YouTube video on a table. of this? Because I love watching oh, yeah. those kinds of teardowns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what he did was, it. it's it's not just the length of the tubing and all that. It's the weight of the fluid in that tubing and all the complexity sure. and all the p potential for yeah. points, of points of failure. Points of failure, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah. that. So when you do that, you're also beholden to all these third-party companies when something gets tight. So that's where Tesla has been somehow shining and shipping more cars uh, last year and doing great, right? It's all these not so, so these subtle people didn't really follow five years ago when thinking about Tesla, well, coming to light, why? Why they're able to still ship the cars and all. And there's articles all about that too. So I'm going to get you that article uh, about the Mach-E and the cooling, and I'll put that in the show notes. By the way, if anyone's listening to this playback, it'll be tinkertry.com forward slash TBP229. All the show notes right there. Um, awesome. Yeah. Hey. Pretty published uh, draft. So go ahead. Quick question on this, though. You know, as I was trying to figure out, to, uh, I don't know if you really got a full chance to answer the question about the Sony Vision SO2 concept, oh, UV SUV, yeah. as they're calling it. I think they're going <laughs> to kill it the same but, way they did for the Sony um, MP3 player that I still use and the Sony okay. smartwatch, which is the leader in the industry, <laughs> um, with the uh, <laughs> the list goes the Sony tablets sure. we all use. And and all of that, yeah. I think I think Sony's making a great decision to enter a marketplace where they're totally going to crush it, as opposed to just using technology from someone else that's better. <laughs> well, so, so that, that kind of gets <laughs> to the question, though. Sony's been <laughs> testing level two driver assist systems in Europe since the Vision S01 that debuted last year. Looking at the long-term success of electric vehicles, how synonymous is being electric? and having full self-driving. Mm. It's not yet. Uh, yeah, correct. Um, Sony CEO digs that angle. Here, let, let me read their quotes right from The Verge. Uh, the Verge author writes, we don't know if this all leads to actually taking a Sony branded car for spin someday, but clearly it has a vision for the autonomous electric future that it's pursuing. Their um, CEO said, we are exploring a commercial launch of Sony EVs and uh, see, he wants to also find out if there's creative entertainment uh, or 
redefine mobility. Those are, you know, there's different angles that Sony's taking on this um, as an opportunity. Whether they, who knows? Um, lots of companies talk these years and well, ahead of. Yeah. So let me ask it another way, though. Will EVs have to be autonomous in order to be successful long term, in order to compete in the EV market? Long term, I think yes. I'm actually an Over FSC. A one really long up. horizon. Correct. Okay. Correct. And you bring up a full self-driving beta. There's people like me, uh, one of the few people actually have access to that safety scoring for weeks. So I've been driving two months now, and it's improved dramatically in two months. But I still see years ahead of it to you know, 0.00% of something you know happening. Right? There's still a lot of interventions, but less with each passing a month. So it's super exciting to see it develop right under my eyes and, and drive. And I knew it was super risky to buy it went back when it was cheaper many years ago. Um, but yeah, whether that'll be tied to it inextricably in the future, in the mind of a shopper, well, if it's 2027 and there's lots of cars that can let the driver be looking down at their phone completely, not doing anything on the highway, and then having to take over and say bad weather, that'd be like level four. There's some conditions where it can't be autonomous. So that's not level five. It's one step short of it. That's fine for most people. And if we pull that off by time, then yeah, I think your resale value of a car that can't do any kind of driver automation on the highway will really tank at that point. Never mind a gas car. I think it'll happen a whole lot quicker than the 2030 that Japan and other countries seem to be holding out for. Thinking 2030 is fine to move to electric cars. I don't think yeah. that's anywhere near soon enough. <laughs> Once okay. you've driven one, you realize you don't want to wait another year never yeah, mind another exactly decade. well here let me run through the uh, levels for the listeners too so level zero is no automation right so the, your the car that you have right now is level zero if you don't have uh any sort of self-driving level one is hands-on shared control so that's going to be like lane keep assist kind of stuff right mm, yep. um where where if you if you start to drift the car will bump you back in but if you let the car it's just going to bounce you like a bowling ball off of the the sides of the the lane level two is hands off right so the, the vehicle is actually going to steer for you level three is eyes off okay uh, so you don't even have to be paying attention that's the these are all the things where you know you've seen tesla doing this already and people fall asleep and then they get posted uh and it goes viral because somebody's just napping in their car while it's going down the highway uh, level four is mind off. Level five is steering wheel optional. That's the one that seems awesome to me. I mean, obviously, that's like me up. Give me that space back. But, <laughs> yeah, well, yep. the space back, but just just the ability to like send your car to go get people, you know, kids or whatever, or to send it instructions on where you're going to go and literally get in. And now you're sitting in a cab where everybody's facing each other rather than even having to worry about a windshield. Yeah, you know I mean, yeah. Yeah, back, totally back to the near term. Lifetime. Yeah, I mean, um, one thing that Tesla did is they're starting to ha pay attention. If there's a camera like my Model 3 has, uh, I had to opt in for that, for the latest betas, to say if I look away from my the road too long, it'll penalize me and warn me. We're about to disengage, um, you know, autopilot on you. So what we're talking about is autopilot in cities new to Tesla. They've been dry nailed the highway a long time ago and doing very good at braking, accelerating all the way to breaking all the way to zero. So stop and go traffic. You could be sitting there um, as I did in 2019. I drove 25 miles that year around Manhattan. Oh my gosh, the two or three hours of, you know, zero to 20 mile an hour traffic I'd sit in. Having cruise control that where I just stay in my lane. I don't care about fancy lane changing. Just stay in my lane and accelerate and break all the way to zero. They nailed that many years ago. What's new is the city street stuff. When you get off the highway, candle around town and stop signs and, and reading red lights and, and all that. And that's what's in the last few months where public kind of people that were vetted by they bought the hardware for it and they bought a car capable of last you know three or four years or so and they were vetted through a safety test score for weeks of grueling extremely careful driving only those folks are on the drive so don't freak out if you're hearing this there's not tens of thousands of people that are super naive and never did, you know they've probably owned their car quite a while they invested a good amount of money into the, doing this and they're okay with some flaws and every time they grab the wheel and take over your hands just immediately disengaged the automation when you grab the wheel. It's not scary. You hit the brake immediately. All automation is dis disabled. So, so yeah. It, it feels deal. to me, if we fast forward, and maybe maybe everyone's just going to be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. No, we're not even close to that. But it feels to me like we're going to hit a future point where people are going to make a decision about a vehicle more about its self-driving intelligence than they will okay. about what what brand it even is or the the creature comforts and all that kind of stuff because they trust the intelligence designed into it. 
Absolutely. They trust the code. If you, if you see a car with someone looking down on the highway and you see a certain brand has nailed it before the others, that becomes a pretty appealing feature to a lot of folks because right now you already see people looking at their phones when you're driving the highway, right? Yeah. Like every third or fourth yeah, car. It's, it's, the other thing that's bad. interesting about that too is that I think the the first to the market that actually get you know those higher level automations four and five, um, they're obviously going to see a boon. I think for people that want that feature as soon as it's available, and and that's going to give them a, a leg up in the market for sure. But in the long run, if everyone starts to adopt it, which I do think is going to happen, whether it's this one or that one, obviously people will pay attention. They'll say, okay, this this version of automated driving is safer. It has fewer accidents, or there's some feature it does better or different that that makes it stand out a little bit but i actually think self-driving is going to become so standard in the industry that it's the interior of the vehicle kind of like aaron was talking about and features there that are going to drive people so well if i'm not driving my car i don't care but i do care that i can turn around in my front seat and you know work at a coffee table looking at my back seat passengers and those are the kind of features going to stand out or a 32 inch tv that drops down from the top or uh, you know other just sort of um, cabin features that make them more comfortable and interesting and that's where i think the vision of the future that sony has painted is is important because they they're talking about sort of the glitz of the inside and once all the playing fields are leveled and autonomous cars are more normal and lots of vendors are providing that feature set, then so much more, you know, scrutiny will be given to comfort of the seats, uh, options, ease of, you know, purchasing like we got into last time. And, uh, and that's where I, I think um, OEMs need to be really paying attention to, I guess that that transition from what we have today to what people actually want to get out of a car in 10 years, right? No, absolutely. Um, delighting customers with entertainment stuff has been a key Tesla success. I mean, give them something to do while a supercharger. Well, great. You can play some games on the screen or watch Netflix or now, what I need is uh, an Hulu, NFT Hulu display. Disney. I need an <laughs> NFT display in my vehicle. <laughs> Where so is Samsung's and... smart car oh, future announcement? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right. <laughs> and actually, earlier, I never really answered your question either, Aaron, about kind of how did I see the development of the cars and is it driven more by pollution or other? Yeah. Again, Connecticut's unique there in that they have this EV club that's influential for many years. We're trying to get it to be legal to sell electric vehicles directly in our states. We have that whole dealership angle going on. Same thing Texas is going through. But we also have, like I said, what an area that tends to be wealthy. We also have enormous poverty in near where Bridgeport, or I lived up near Hartford. We have all kinds of income levels in the state. Tesla is making a move to mass market cars and maybe getting down to 25,000 or probably more realistically 30,000 with something like a, a hot hatchback, like um, would be popular in China. That could maybe rub some of the early pioneers that bought these Model S's way back in Model in 2012 when it was super risky and got Tesla solar and Tesla um, powerwalls and, and solar on their roofs and stuff. But I'm not the air they're breathing, and they actually had the money and the means Hold on, to we lost you a couple like that. Like, oh, really? For a second, yeah. Uh, okay. I don't know. Maybe it's just well, yeah. my internet connection or something. No, I heard it too. Aaron, okay, you heard it so too. You're okay. not what? Um, so again, I, I don't want to appear. Uh, Let's see. People that bought in early, Tesla's very much going mass market, right? Trying right. to produce huge numbers and bringing their cost down. That could offend some and they might abandon and go to, you know, Lucid or Rivian or something. That's fine, right? It's okay. Um, but yeah, te that, that sounds ironic to many people. They're thinking Tesla is a snooty expensive brand, but when you realize they're right there at the average price of the American car with the Model 3 and Model Y, that's not the case anymore. And that's a good thing for actually making a difference in the air. That is the motivations of the company, that's what it's been all along to make a huge number of these cars, not a small number that only a few can afford to get into. Yeah, so, the Model 3 is 40K. Yep, we're actually 42, I think, it now. The, the price has crept up, unfortunately. And I threw it out in the chat here. Let's see. Standard well, I mean, range is actually 46. The, uh... Yeah, but look, get rid of the cost savings. Unfortunately, rear... the default is. Oh, yeah, cost potential savings. savings. You're right. Yeah. Turn okay. So the rear wheel yeah. drive alone is uh, 44,990. Okay, you're right. And that is the LFP battery. You can charge 100% each day. It's heavier, so less energy dense, but it gets more people, you know, more butts and seats. 
and that battery is charging a little slower in the winter, so maybe not as ideal here in the Northeast, but for most of the country, it's just a great choice. And the range is up to, I think it's 260. So it says on your screen there, Aaron. So that's pretty uh, darn good. I, for that. Let me go back and look. Uh, range, yeah, 267. Yep. That's right. All right. So anyhow. Um, how many cars Rivian's made? So we talked about dealers just now a little bit. The market adjustments are more misery happening to Ford Lightning uh, holders. And I know someone oh, in Connecticut is struggling with that yeah. now. Oh, you and know somebody that cool. actually is going through that. I do. I do. Wait, and I know that again? Sorry. I was looking up Rivian Some, numbers. Dealerships are taking full advantage of uh, the the lack Lightning of vehicle availability, basically, oh, and they're applying it even to pre-order vehicles, which is where really where people got up in arms, right? Pitchforks came out. They're doing it across the board, but like, so I ran into this actually a little bit. It wasn't with the EV, but um, because of the shortage of vehicles, and the argument in the dealer's favor, of course, is they're going to sell less because they have less inventory. And if they're selling less inventory, then marking things up to keep things more normal for them is, quote, okay. I'm doing big old air quotes there because I'm not sure I agree with that sentiment at all. But um, I, I saw, uh, as I was looking at trucks, um, and Paul, I don't think you were part of any of those conversations, but I'm, I'm looking at doing some campering uh, travel trailer-wise. And, and so EVs, EV trucks uh, were on my yeah. horizon. But but I'm I'm talking about like national park towing, you know, thousands of miles, and and the EVs just aren't there yet for a ten thousand pound trailer. So um, so I started looking at trucks, and what I found was that locally, at least, and and this is true in a lot of places, dealers are taking dealer inventory vehicles and they are marking them up anywhere from five to twenty grand over sticker. I'm mm -hmm. talking like huge, huge, huge markups. And so the same thing was happening to uh, Lightning pre-orders. So people that configured their own build from like Ford.com uh, or, or you know, whichever vehicle that it was, whether it was Lightning or not, they get an MSRP sticker price. And then the dealers were taking that, that vehicle because you have to choose a dealer to deliver it through. And they were applying their own, uh, what do they call it? It's a, it's It's not a markup. It's called a... A, some kind of adjustment. Do you know the word, Paul? Market adjustment. Yep. It, well, they, they'll say it's a market adjustment, but if you look at like an online price, anyways, they basically it, it's the same bucket line item that they used to like when a dealer would tint the windows of a vehicle that they received and they they charge you a thousand dollars for that tint job, right? They put it in the same line item bucket, but just I think huge, they call huge it margin. Numbers. I think they call it margin. Yeah, well, yes, that that's again something that they're not going to tell you, but <laughs> but it has it has a word on the you know the receipt or the the sticker, but um sure. uh, and I'm it, I'm just blanking on well you know I I asked because it's one of those words where you read it and you're like that's not what that is that's just you charging me more for this. <laughs> yep. So there's a there's a channel called Now You Know, and these two guys call out the dealerships on this slimy behavior, uh, calling yeah, you know good. dealers protect the interest of consumers. But actually, they might mean something else by protection. Like, yeah, you can get your lightning early if you're willing to pay 20 or 30 grand more on top oh, of the geez. sticker price. It's it's sad. So think about that money. It's going to it's one predatory. dealer. It's helping someone retire a little early at a dealership that doesn't want to go electric. It does not help Ford. It hurts them in every way. It's not helping them make it cheaper down the road. It re that's what really bothers me. It's yeah. hurting their company in so many levels, uh, not financially and reputation. So go that's buy a Tesla. Well, well, yeah, I mean, or, too, or, it's yeah, and high. you would think if they didn't do those markups, then that money could go into the actual options of the vehicle and they get an extra motor or they get a bigger battery and then it does go exactly. to Ford and it does help them. Yeah, and right now it's tw 20,000 more for that extra 70 miles of range, as you mentioned on the previous episode. Uh, <laughs> makes me want to puke, dude. $20,000 20, yeah. $20, for 70 miles? No. I know. Uh, that's what I know. I heard. Uh, yeah. So, so anyhow, we're getting the negative out of the way. So that, that's something that happened. Like you said, recap on anything new. That's pretty likely. Look at Tesla or anyone else, something new. It was pretty hard to do a new car and scale it up to levels they're at. So it's definitely a safer pick right now to pick a Model Y coming out of maybe Texas six months in. And that's, that's been exciting. They've got um, drones flying all over Texas cyber uh, factory there. And they now spot drones pulling Tesla Model Y bodies off of a truck with like a black curtain pulled over it. I saw that. And when, yeah, what you, what's special about that is it means the unibody, the, um, the dusting, the front and rear casting get bolted onto the battery pack in some seats. Nice. And then you just drop the shell of the car on top of it. So it's just like that zinc die cast model, your childhood yeah. where you put, you pull it together with two pieces. That's what your Model Y looks like. 
dramatically brings down the cost of building the factory, yeah. the length no, of the assembly huge. line. Hundreds of parts are missing under the hood because it's just one big stamping doing the whole thing under sure. the, the whole frame around the, above the wheels in the front and the rear. Basically, the car is those three parts, the battery, the front and rear unibody, and then it dropped the whole top on top of it with the seats already installed, removing the robots that have to do weird contortions to get the seats and all that stuff. It's just, that's just wild. And that, this that's is why Tesla's key. stock is yeah. like 1,200 times yeah. earnings, yes. right? And, because they and, are. And it seems completely cool unrealistic, stuff. but then you realize that they, they sold or produced a million cars last quarter and and they're, they're, they've done Correct. so many things from the technology perspective and the way that they do business with consumers that they actually stand to completely dominate the car market. Like, like you're, yeah. you know, number two in, in Europe, not, not EV number two period. Like, Holy cow, they are winning. Yeah. yeah. And if you can make your car in half the time right in Germany, imagine how that makes VW yep. and others surrounding them feel right. It, it's a good thing. You're lighting a fire done. That was always the goal and that's happening. Yep. That's the exciting part. So even though we have doom and gloom in some of these companies, yeah. we could see the signs on the wall. If I have done nothing about it, how sorry are we supposed to feel as they seem to be headed towards asking for a government bailout, you know, yet again, uh, who knows? It's just not whatever, Detroit. I, I hope it doesn't go that way, but all right. Um, the other piece of uh, news is just um, fit and finish on Lucid, so that goes back to what we just talked about, anything new from a new company. Rivian's, though, seems to be doing pretty well, but they're not really in the hands of customers yet, so we'll see employees. Stay tuned to see how Rivian does with their actual first deliveries to regular you know, normies that bought, uh, ordered it years ago. We'll see, hopefully. Um, but again, they're buying it directly, so there's no one of the crazy markup shenanigans that uh, Ford is going through right now with the Lightning. So that definitely is in Rivian's favor, I would say. You know the price you're paying by what you paid when you or what you agreed to when you pre-ordered, right? Or when you order, when you configured your final order and picked your options and all that. All right. It, it is uh, amazing to me. I'm sorry, I'm going to take a quick tangent here because it's not necessarily directly related to EVs either. Um, but just seeing the disruption to that dealership model, um, mm -hmm. I, it reminds me of like used car buying too. Um, businesses like Carvana and, and even CarMax with the sort of no hassle buying and selling of a vehicle. It's like, we're going to give you a fair price up for debate that, that your mileage may vary, whatever. But the idea is the old model that was frustrating and terrible is done and it's broken and we don't want to see it anymore. And I, I love to see that kind of disruption in an industry that is so entrenched in these goofy what feel like borderline anti-consumer sort of practices uh, it's just it's the best kind of disruption i like that more than a 12 inch screen in my car and and yeah. so i don't know props to tesla for getting that ball rolling it is a long fight to undo all of the garbage that got built into that but it's cool because you're uh, we're uncovering so many more things about that model that really just haven't been good for us the end user or the end purchaser of these kinds of uh, technologies. And so, yay for that. Yeah, a little a little personal story there. One of my sons shopping for a Subaru, he goes to Brooklyn or, Brooklyn or other places where there's no charging, really, realistically, driving in snow and all that, so Subaru, good choice. So we go, we go to a dealer uh, in Vermont, actually, because uh, they actually have inventory, and they make assumptions based on his age, that he doesn't plan to pay cash, that he plans to finance it and get lots of profit out of him, right? That was not his intent, and they insulted him with the very first sentence or two out of their mouths. Do you think he ever wants to go to a dealership again in his lifetime, rather than just order it online, where he can pay all he right. wants and not have any social pressure from some adult making silly assumptions about his intent and, and where he works and what he makes and all that junk? Oh gosh, yeah, high pressure. None of their business. Yeah, it's terrible. Just, I like. I yeah. don't even mind negotiating. I, you probably tell from the devil's advocate side of how I have the conversations on TBP, and I just do not like the car brand process at all. It just yeah. makes me angry. Tell Tyler gets his energy. Ne quote unquote <laughs> negotiating. <laughs> Unless it's right. for cars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, so, you know, the good thing though, like a company like Rivian that hopefully can ship hundreds of thousands, great, but their big battery pack version is delayed to 2023. So they've now kind of irritated some early early orders who cannot get their car in 2022 like they originally hoped. They got to wait around a little longer for the bigger battery pack in 2023. That's an example of the company doing the right financial things to keep solving and ship some ship more cars with that lead less cells, need less cells in each car. 
but you've now irritated some people that were actually paying t- higher dollar and they have to wait longer. So that's an interesting choice right. for VMA. But the, those are the difficult decisions all these companies are going to have to make as they get off the ground with their EV options. And mm-hmm. Lightning will be no different um, or anything else, mass market or Silverado now. Uh, that's a real struggle to get enough sales. And did you make them right and make sure they don't have flammability risk and all that good stuff? Um, it's tough. I, I wish it was happening faster, frankly. And those stories I find a little disheartening. But got to be honest uh, on a podcast like this, right? It's a mixed bag of stories. And you, we were all hoping for more like four or 500 mile range of that F-150. That's just not what we're seeing. Yeah. And, no, and that's there's super a key, disappointing. That's easily a key the most sentence. disappointing thing for me. The second most would be charge time. You guys remember I predicted uh, oh, yeah. if, if, if the 4680 self coming out of Tesla in, 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 in Texas looks to be the case to ship with the Model Y and then with the Cybertruck, Imagine if Cybertruck can charge in 20, you know, 10, 20 minutes for a full you know, tank of 300 plus miles versus 45 minutes, which is what the four Lightning looks like for the top model of 300 miles of range. That's yeah. a big difference in sitting there charging uh, or someone like, Russ, someone like Russ who's not on the phone with, or not on with us right now on Telegram here. And um, he's got Lubbock, Texas, and he would be charging. You know, we got the stories that that's very meaningful. Um, so, so, yeah. Paul, my wife wants the pro. She wants the F-150 Lightning Pro. She said, just get bare bones. I just, I want, I want a truck. I want it to be electric. I just want to try this out. Awesome. Do you, or do you have advice on why I shouldn't or cautions about what I should choose or not choose? I if mean, you're only keeping it four or five years, is that how long you keep a car? None of this matters much. My wife and I were so much tougher if we try to keep cars 10 years plus. Aaron, right? Aaron sells his cars in six months, Paul. <laughs> yes. He can't hold on to something that big. Enjoy the heck out when of it. it. Chuck the cars. The cars burn a yeah, hole I'm in already, his pocket. I don't know if you know this. Uh, yeah. I, I yeah. probably had like 45 cars in the past 10 years. And I'm all, like, I just got a, a, my second Corvette. And I'm actually thinking, I woke himself. up the other day thinking about selling it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, it's, I am just, shocked. Oh, wait. Well, it, no, I'm not. It's a great. So, yeah, I don't worry. Driving about different vehicles. And I can't afford to have 50 cars at the same time. So, yeah, as a freaking business traveler, I've probably driven almost like 70 or 80 <laughs> makes over the last 30 Dude, I years. I love that. Reg- oh, sure. yeah. I that's do like that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. This travel's it's amazing because I get to go pick different cars all the time. <laughs> yeah. Joanna was no, so good... happy for me because she was like, oh, at least he gets to scratch that itch. And it was just, anyway. Yeah, so. no. But anyhow, um, so where was I? The cells and the charging time. Yeah. I mean, your charge time will be lower but do you care if it's most of the time no. charging your garage no you'll absolutely love that six months of ownership or, or two years or whatever it is <laughs> <laughs> and all you're doing is having an electrician put in a nema 1450 outlet in your garage for whatever brand you buy it'll come with a charger that plugs into that uh, looks like a dryer outlet 220 to 240 range of volts that sucker yeah. will charge overnight you'll be quite happy and it doesn't matter what brands come and go out of your garage you're good my wife and i trying to keep something 10 plus years it had to work to replace our Civics, especially when her car got towed in the middle of winter. It's like, okay, that's enough. Our gas car just died the second time she was towed in six months. That's when she placed her order. We replaced our last gas car ever in our household, right? That's a different mentality in your house where your risk is so low. If you're willing to turn things over or try both the Cybertruck and, and Lightning within a two or three year span selling and flipping them, it's fine. The resale values tend to go pretty well given the supply chain is so tight and mm-hmm. all that stuff. Um, and I said that in a previous podcast, my wife's standard range plus is actually worth more than when she bought it at 38,000 closing yeah. price. Yeah. Yeah. I, I crazy caution to and anybody. Two years old, there, though, two our, years old. It's our, a weird moment in time. Yep. Caution. It's our yeah, our current, our current market probably isn't going to support, you know, new cars going up in value every two years. There's a, <laughs> Ever again, they, probably, yeah. well, and that was actually, it, it's funny you bring that up. That's it's perfect. Cause it ties back to the conversation about dealer markups. When when I was talking to these local dealers and they were saying five to twenty k over over MSRP, I was like, "You realize that you're you're telling me right now if I want this vehicle that I should be taking what is effectively twenty thousand dollars of extra depreciation in like the first year, Good because point. if the market levels back out and Ford continues to sell these for MSRP or darn close to it, which they will, then that twenty k adds no value to anyone at all." And cars lose enough value as it is. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so like, that's absurd. So, Aaron, you asked about um, calling out the markup. Here's a Reddit thread where someone put a Google Doc together, calling out all the dealers all over the United States uh-huh. who's doing what for markup. Good on them. And you get a bunch in Connecticut right there. So you asked earlier, 
hey, uh, what kind of experiences are people having? It's not just a Ford, it's Hyundai and others. Ionic yeah. 5 is looking quite good and quite desirable, by the way, but also getting some markup problems. So what a bummer. Yeah, that, that'll definitely inhibit adoption as we have that this supply is. chain tightness and cell, battery cells are tight. And ID4 is selling well too. And people are marking that up as well at some places. So if you look at a spreadsheet like, sheet like this and it empowers you as a customer to just go to the deal that it's not marking it up, right? Um, yep. So yeah, uh, I love that. I love that the internet can do that. <laughs> that's a good thing. No, it's just great. great. That spreadsheet is huge. <laughs> it's just yeah, oh, I bet. Yeah. That's crowd crowdsourcing bad behavior. I like it. <laughs> uh um no thank you thank you for letting me cover this stuff again and it, it, again I, we had a mixed bag right of good in in, in challenging stuff can i and, and do maybe happier note of some of the fun stuff that happened um <laughs> is that all right Let's, uh yeah i would say um i was a complainer and then you were the positive force um <laughs> well, uh yeah, so. it's all good i, I mean no, i'll that, speak for tyler but I, I often get on here and complain too much about where I expect all this stuff to already be. So thank you for bringing the positive. I, I, I do too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I tend to look at this and I'm just like total fail. Um, uh, I, it almost borderline makes me angry sometimes, but uh, no, it's great. If it, there is a lot of positive, it's fun to see all the sides of this. And I, I'm always impressed Paul with how organized your thoughts are around everything that's going on because this, it's an incredible amount of data that's just growing, right? I mean, when we had the similar conversations a year or two ago, we were almost exclusively talking about Tesla and like yep. one or two other future state possible manufacturers. And now we're talking about, you know, tens of cars that are being delivered and more that are coming, uh, you know, different vehicle types, SUVs, trucks, you know, even even large delivery vehicles um the, it's it's pretty cool to watch this uh come together and and we definitely appreciate uh like i said the organizations you kind of bring to, to everything that's on the table as opposed to just you know gut reactions since that's totally how we run our show <laughs> so I'll thanks say, for being here man if i'll say last last comment from me um if i if i had a, a crypto that moons whatever if i win the lottery however it is you want to say that uh, the first one I would get would be the Model X Plaid. I would get it in Midnight Ooh. Silver Metallic. I, I think I would stick with the smaller wheels, the 20-inch wheels instead of the 22, because I get extra mileage mm -hmm. out of them. Absolutely. Uh, and, and I would go with the six-seater, because I have four kids. And I would click the box for full self-driving <laughs> capability. And then, boom. That's it. Well, that's what I would do. done. I got to sit in Sandy Monroe's Model S plaid that's about to be ripped apart uh, when he did that tour of the Boston area. And that was a unique experience, seeing the new dashboard and the quality materials and the dash and stuff. You'd quite li love that Model X. You'd be blown away. What they've done with it in here interior is absolutely remarkable. And then, of course, under the hood with 0 to 60 of 1.99 seconds on the Model S plaid is insane. Really fun that Sandy Monroe gets to rip it apart and look inside the engine and see its carbon fiber wrappings and stuff and all the magic they did under the hood. Nice. So that's that's good stuff. So yeah. Down. So you guys talk about hot takes. Let me end with like three hot three happy things. The light show was fantastic over Christmas. I can entertain people with my three year old car, uh, my wife's two year old car. Excuse <laughs> me. And they open sourced it and put it on GitHub. So Tesla shared this nerd fun with anyone, and they can make their own light shows out of whatever music they want. But Wait, I did it so to Mission Impossible. Does the car have an yeah, external? I didn't, I didn't even know about this. It does. So hers has a pedestrian warning speaker. Yeah. That's it was much more like all the sounds. Yeah. It makes a little yeah. spaceship yeah, yeah. noise when you back up and people were annoyed. <laughs> like, how do I, how do I unattach it? But guess what? Now they want it because it does fun yeah. stuff. Like yeah, it morphs your voice into, you know, I am your father, Luke with voice morphing. Once you're driving down the road, they let you use the external speaker for that. They let you do a light show when you're parked at your mom's driveway in the fog. And I did a little fun video about it. So that's just delighting a customer, you know, two years that's after awesome. we bought my wife's car, adding that capability right around Christmas time. Perfect. I also did some Santa deliveries to nieces and nephews in the electric car, putting the gifts in the hood under the frunk, excuse me. It was just so much fun playing jingle bells as we drove up the driveway. Pretty loud, by the way, that external speaker. <laughs> so I saw I saw a video of like a, I think it was a Model S that uh, had a mode where you could make it sound like it was like a, a cammed out Hellcat or something like that, right? So it had this real choppy, like, gurgle, anyway. Right. Uh, yeah. Well, There's a movie about, about that. There's Doesn't a whole movie about market. that. What? What's that movie? You know what I'm talking about? No, oh my gosh, it's two uh, comedians. No. It's uh, uh, the tall guy from. Oh my gosh, I can't think of any of their names. I can only Will see their Ferrell? faces and like every. No, he was in. Uh, 
Yeah, well, he is a tall comedian guy. Uh, this one's darker hair. He was in um, like Wedding Crashers and uh, oh yeah 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 old school. I think it was old school. Yeah. Anyways, um, I can't Vin, uh, Vaughn. Vaughn. Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Yes, Vince, Vince Vaughn. Vaughn. So Vince Vaughn and another guy whose name I can't think of, but he was in a TV show for a long time, a comedy. And they are trying to sell speakers that make like true to form old school muscle car noises into modern. I can't even remember if it was EVs or if it was other vehicles, but they're, it, it talking was about pretty Speaker funny, City? but not great. No, was that no, the movie? I don't. City? I don't know the name of the movie. Anyhow, that, the cool thing is, ring the bell though. <laughs> Anyways, they made a movie about it. Okay. <laughs> with, with a simple USB port in the in the center console, I just download two files to USB drive, stick it in my voice card, off we go. There's no hacking involved. That's just really cool. They just opened it yeah, wide open. Anybody, cool. any skill level, right? Next piece was um, car is eighteen and uh, it's got miles now, and it's a little slow. And it's a uh, guess what? They've gone. Ryzen, and it looks like retrofits will be available. announced a couple of days ago. I'll believe it, see it, but it's possible I could retrofit the computer in my three-year-old car and actually have a brand new one. Do I really need it? No, but things like maps and scrolling, whatever, will be even faster. And some of the videos are pretty compelling. So delightful yeah. to hear that I might actually have a chance at that. There's no other car. I like it. Replace. That's the, it's all one thing, by the way. The full self-driving is right with the media control unit. It's all one unit oh, nice. that's water-cooled. And as long as it fits the same, you know, water-cooled pipes and same mm -hmm. watt profile, and it does, they tend to come out with the same or less watts each time, you could actually retrofit. And heated wipers, uh, cooled seats, all in a Model 3, Model Y. They just keep iterating, yeah. tossing little yeah. things in, and some of these will be available for retrofit. It'll require a new car. Um, but, you know, th those are all pluses. And then finally, in-cabin radar is a weirder one. They got some sort of... The interior-facing camera is now different on Model 3s and Model Ys coming out of China and soon coming out of Fremont, California. Um, that has to do with looking at airbags and the, the people that are in the seats and all, basically having a better lay of the land of what's going on inside the car before we wreck. Interesting. So that's interesting. Yep. And that's it. So just a bunch of little good news all in the last week yeah. for an existing owner like me, keeping me um, happy, frankly, uh, years into the purchase. That is just unusual. Yeah. My Honda Civic needed $180 each year to update its NAV CD-ROM. That's a different experience than this. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> and on that note, that brings another Tech Breakfast podcast to a close. Paul, again, thanks for being here. Love your contributions. And that's it, folks. We're done today. We have uh, had another great week. I feel like we're getting back in our... We'll talk to you next week. Lost you, Tyler. Have a great weekend. No, no, we did not have a great weekend. It and bugged we'll out next. Week. I don't know. I can't tell if that's <laughs> Telegram or what. Uh, we got to figure this out. Yeah, I don't know what happened there. I they bugged out for me too, so I assume uh, we lost something. But whatever, maybe uh, maybe the movie you're talking about is the dilemma. Special. You got to get that uh, in. Yes, in. nailed it. The dilemma. There you go. It wasn't great, but it was totally worth watching because it is appropriately well timed for conversations these days. All right, show notes. I've already have the draft published. So Yay. dilemma. <laughs> All <laughs> right, bye y'all. <laughs> Later. Thank you. Have a great day. It was a blast. You guys are awesome. Uh, later. Thanks, man.